We can all agree that living in the Holocaust was horrible and unbearable. We know that we will never live with the burden of what has been seen. But what about those who didn't survive to tell their stories? Victims of experimentation were often killed and each Nazi researcher kept their own files. So what can we piece together with no witnesses? Well, a life of horror, documented here. During the Holocaust, many doctors were employed by the SS to perform experiments on those being held in concentration camps. These experiments varied widely, containing many different methods, motives, and ideas. Experiments were often painful, harmful, and most were lethal. A note that's very important to consider. For the duration of this podcast, those conducting experiments will be called doctors or researchers, but they were simply cruel people certified by the SS and given permission and encouraged to kill test subjects. The test subjects will be referred to by many names. If at any point they are called inferior, this is a Nazi belief and in no way represents my opinion. That being said, a question left behind by these supposed experiments remains. What were the methods and motives of Nazi research? Whilst this experimentation varied widely, the fate of those chosen for experimentation was often very grim. These methods and motives would depend on the doctor and on their personal opinions. When a doctor's goal was to advance medicine in the name of increasing survival of the German troops on the battlefields, experiments could have many different subjects of study. These tests were brutal and had generally the shortest lifespan in comparison to subjects in other branches of study. Well-known examples are throwing prisoners out of airplanes to test the maximum altitude a parachute would save a member of the Air Force, freezing victims and then attempting to cure their hypothermia because of conflicts in Russia, and forcing them to drink seawater with different treatments in an attempt to make it safe because of Germany's warfront on the sea. All are on record at Dachau. All of these experiments were very likely to be lethal to prisoners and performed in incredibly inhumane ways. If victims did survive, it was very likely they would be experimented on until they did not. These are well-known fields of study, but there are other methods less well-known. Sulfalanamide was also a source of interest. These experiments essentially would take open wounds and infect them with different types of bacteria, then cut off blood circulation to the area and attempt to treat them with chemotherapy. This was thought to be an effective method of replicating battle wounds and a far more efficient way to cure them. They were ineffective. From what we know now, we can conclude that these subjects were already incredibly tired from malnourishment, and adding chemotherapy on top of that would weaken a person's immune system even further. The next category of experimentation was that of attempting to prove racial superiority. The doctor most well-known for performing these experiments was Joseph Mengele. He was also referred to as the angel of death because of his cruel demeanor, both toward his patients and incoming victims awaiting a decision on their life or death to be made. When first entering Auschwitz, victims would stand on a ramp as doctors and SS members decide their fate. Because of this reputation, Mengele began scouring the ramp out of uniform in search of the very victims that he preferred, that being twins and dwarves. Should they be chosen, they would spend all of their time at the camp being guinea pigs. Many of these subjects see the effects of the experiments on their bodies still today. Fortunately, of the thousand pairs of twins that entered Auschwitz, 200 pairs survived to tell their story. In this clip, Eva Moses Kor tells the story of herself and her twin once out of the Holocaust. As we found out years later, when she grew up, got married in Israel, expected her 
first child, she developed severe kidney infections that did not respond to any antibiotic. Second pregnancy in 63, the infection got so bad that the Israeli doctor studied her and they found out that Miriam's kidneys never grew larger than the size of a 10-year-old child. So I begged Miriam that not to have any more children because every pregnancy was a life crisis. But she had a third child, and after the third child was born, her kidneys deteriorated, started to deteriorate. And by 1987, they failed, at which time I donated my left kidney. I had two kidneys and one sister, so it was an easy choice. But a year later, she developed cancerous polyps in the bladder. The doctors kept asking me to find our Auschwitz files. We never found our files. We never found out what was injected into our bodies. Miriam died. Mengele was never charged for his crimes against humanity, fleeing to South America. Being one of Mengele's victims meant you already knew what would happen to you. Years of being a test subject and good chances of only one of you surviving, or neither, because many of these methods were incredibly dangerous. Mengele and many other Nazi doctors with the intent to prove racial superiority believed that through researching supposed lesser organisms, they could unlock the methods of creating the Aryan race as fast and perfectly as possible. This included Dr. Klauberg from Auschwitz artificially inseminating 300 women in the effort of creating perfect Aryan children every time. He was also incredibly cruel, telling women that they'd be raped, impregnated with monsters or animals, or forced into prostitution for a mass production scheme of the Aryan race. For clarity, I should include that none of this was actually true, but he thoroughly enjoyed torturing his victims. Eventually, this led researchers to wonder if the reverse of their efforts could be achieved. A mass sterilization of all considered to be lesser would likely be more effective than a mass genocide, so two different types of sterilization were forced on inmates, also by Klauberg. The first of which is injection. Women from the same cell block as those who were just artificially inseminated were now injected in the cervix and uterus with a substance that caused excruciating pain and even bursts of the stomach at times. Men were victims of the x-ray. The testicles would be exposed to high amounts of radiation from x-rays and then, for research, castrated. This caused radiation burns which were incredibly painful. Eventually, it became clear that radiation alone did hardly anything by means of fertility and castration was kinder and more effective. Because of the former, radiation experimentation continued. Once again, in an effort to make experimentation as cruel as possible, subjects were immediately forced to go back to work despite the immense pain. In addition, it was believed that the racially inferior were more likely to develop tuberculosis, so bacteria were directly injected into the lungs in a supposed attempt to vaccinate the victims. This was toward the end of the Holocaust, so while the Allied powers approached camps, Nazis hung test subjects in an effort to hide their experimentation. Thankfully, these doctors never found what they wanted. On the bright side, this foiled the Nazis' plans and ultimately brought the party to its knees. For that, the world celebrates. What's unfortunate is that millions died in the process. And finally, doctors who intended to advance medical treatments. 
This category partially overlaps with the last two, but doctors experimenting just with the intent of gaining actual knowledge and furthering science was extremely uncommon. Despite the fact that this sounds more moral, please keep in mind that researchers were encouraged to kill test subjects and did so using horrible, inhumane methods. That being said, these experiments often included attempts to cure or stop the spread of diseases that were major health risks at the time, such as tuberculosis, typhoid, yellow fever, and malaria. New drugs were also tested, and attempts were made to find antidotes to the same gas that millions of Jews and other minorities were murdered with. Whilst these supposed doctors were, as I said earlier, simply cruel and given permission to kill, they were not shunned by the medical society. Germany's actual medical researchers worked with the, those experimenting in camps because practicing physicians don't have the ability to recklessly maim human beings. Generally, there were three different types of motivations doctors had for their experiments. These were to aid survival of German troops in the war, prove racially based ideas of superiority, and to test drugs and medication. Their methods, whilst widely varying, were all horrendous crimes against humanity and will forever leave their effects on survivors and the world as a whole. There are many sides of living in a concentration camp that the world may never know the extent of. However, these add to the puzzle, and there will always be more stories told and found of what it was really like to live in a concentration camp under Hitler's Nazi regime.